Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. That's right. And so what I think we've seen as just viewers, right? And if we're not talking about the actual case, but as viewers in this episode, we see the issues that plague a person who has power and control issues, right? A person that is used to controlling everything, um, messaging everything, being their own spin master. And so that has continued despite the fact that Joe Exotic is still behind bars. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and we have Holly Davis back with us, everybody. Hi, Holly. How are you? Hi, Susan. I'm really great. It is so nice to have you back. For my listeners who may not remember, you joined us just a few months ago to talk about the Ben and Juliana Zobrist divorce. Um, and I'll ask you for a little update on that in a minute. I've been sort of Googling to see what's happening, but we'll, we'll get your take on it. Uh, but you're joining us again because you have a case that's very much in the headlines these days. And um, as you know, I told you I've been doing a headlines roundup once a month. And this case was actually in my stack to go into this month's uh, episode, but I pulled it out when I saw you were one of the attorneys. Uh, so I'm excited to have you speak about it. I do want to point out that, um, you know, we're talking about it from a perspective of you're not talking about the intimate details of your client's case. Uh, that's not appropriate and we will not be doing that at all, but we are talking about some of the things that are going on publicly in the case and some of the theory around that and the lessons, as you and I just talked about, the lessons that we can learn and that my listeners can learn from what they see playing out in the, in the case, right? You're not talking about your client's case, pers you know, in detail. Exactly. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, we need to be clear on that. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't want your client to be upset with you. We wouldn't want anyone to be upset with you. But uh, the case is the uh, the Tiger King case. For all of my listeners out there who do not know the Tiger King, I swear to God, with Netflix, I don't think anybody doesn't know. But can you tell us just a little bit about the case so to bring everyone up to speed? 
Yes, and in the event that my little synopsis isn't great enough, you can always check out the episodes of, on, of The Tiger King on Netflix. If you were one of the five people in the entire world during the pandemic shutdown in March of 2020 that did not watch this show. So um, basically we got a glimpse into the seedy underbelly of the sort of big cat breeding world that most of the entire world didn't know existed. And so the show really highlighted a couple of central characters that had fascinating uh, things that were you know, occurring in their lives and also that they were creating. The show was centered around a person named Joe Exotic, who was this charming, um, vulgar and kind of absurd, you know, circus master, ringmaster. Larger than uh, life, for sure. Larger than life character who was um, basically managing uh, like a, a big cat, like tigers and other large cat zoo. And it followed him around in his life. And so we see all sorts of things occurring. He has a feud with another big cat owner of another big cat property, sort of a business rival, which then turned personal uh, and actually landed Joe Exotic in jail. He's uh, serving 21 years uh, for that's, attempting to hire. Yeah, that's not an insignificant little sentence, by the way, 21 no. years. Yeah, it was like 22 years and then it got recently reduced to 21 years, so not very reduced no. for attempting to uh, hire someone to murder his business rival. The way that this, uh, my involvement in this case is that my client is Dylan Passage, who's currently married to Joe Exotic. And over the course of this Netflix uh, series, we see Joe be married to several people, finally concluding in being married to my client, Dylan Passage. And now Joe and Dylan are divorcing. And that has opened up an entire, even though, as you just said, Joe is in prison, Yes, it has still opened up a flurry of headlines, um, to, you know, and stories about this. Um, and Joe is pretty pro uh, prolific in his statements, even from behind bars. And so there's been some mudslinging going on, at least I would say from the prison side of things. That's right. And so what I think we've seen as just viewers, right? And if we're not talking about the actual case, but as viewers in this episode, we see the issues that plague a person who has power and control issues, right? A person that is used to controlling everything, um, messaging everything, being their own spin master. And so that has continued despite the fact that Joe Exotic is still behind bars. He's still very much the ringmaster of the circus. He's still very much messaging to the public and still having issues with that power and control. It's interesting when someone who has those issues and that dynamic is um, you know, behind bars and controlled by the system. So he's kind of exercising his right to speak from behind bars and is doing that just as he always has done, been very prolific, as you've said. Yeah, well, and I think that's it. So there's a couple interesting things in there that I noted. Um, one, that he has that ability to have such access to getting statements out, to being able to put the spin on it. Um, it reminded me a little bit of that other huge case that's been playing out in the news in the Kim and Kanye situation 
in that Kanye too has seemed to struggle with the trying to control um, and using social media or using the headlines to try and put his own spin on it. And it's interesting because there are just those personalities out there. I won't use the word narcissist, but maybe I just mm -hmm. did, um, that have that ability to, or really struggle when the narrative is taken away from them, but will still manage to find ways to get their spin out there. Yes, and they do that because they are rewarded with their persistence. If you think about it, people like Kanye West, these larger than life figures who are used to so much fluidity and access to their audience, their fan base almost, that when there are court rules in place, divorce rules in place, rules of civil procedure, from people that don't care who they are, right? The law right. doesn't care or shouldn't care at least that you're a celebrity or that you're rich or that you're privileged. I imagine Joe Exotic has so many, uh, so many more privileges and access to media than say a person behind bars for a crime uh, who's black or brown or something like that. So we find that there are these loopholes that certain people have, celebrities and those that are very wealthy, even behind bars, but you can see that they usually are rewarded in their business lives or in their creative career or in their celebrity um, by just barreling through obstacles and, and trying to do it despite the odds. And they usually come to a crashing halt. We, we see, don't we, Susan, in divorce cases where the law says, these, these rules do apply. I know you've been rewarded in your life for not following rules, but my rules do apply, says the court. Yeah, we don't find too many people in black robes who enjoy people who flaunt the rules of the court. And in fact, I've seen um, judges come down especially hard on people who have flaunted, um, used their celebrity or their wealth. Um, celebrity, I think, actually opens more doors than wealth. Often they go together. Yeah. But celebrity, you know, in this particular instance... Uh, Joe Exotic, I, I expect, is being given the bullhorn because of the vast success of the Netflix series. Um, the fact that, you know, that gives people this interest in what's happening for him. And so the press and the media are willing to continue to give him a pulpit, regardless of the fact that he's behind bars. And, you know, much of what he might be putting out there has a definite spin to it. Yes, and it's it's almost guilt-free and shameless because the Netflix series revolved around things that um, I think prior to seeing the series, the world would have been perhaps appalled by or embarrassed for the person that was admitting these things. But Joe Exotic has made a name for himself and a celebrity around really not caring, quote, what people think and doing things that maybe the rest of us would not do ever at all. Um, and so it's really kind of interesting to have the combination of celebrity and, and shamelessness in self-promotion, because I think what that does is it creates a vortex of celebrity where no matter what he does, this, the, the press, as you've just stated, will continue to cover it and people might continue to be drawn into his, you know, sphere of influence, maybe based on a hope that they'll be famous too, just by proximity. Right. And I, you know, it, you're saying that and it makes me think I was just, um, there's the other show on Netflix, uh, Inventing Anna with Anna, the whole Anna Delvey story. And in the show, uh, they had gone to this hotel in Morocco. And I was recently there a couple of weeks ago oh. and they have 
a placard that lists all the famous people over the years that have visited that hotel. And it's it's huge. You know, Marilyn Monroe and Rock, I mean, goes back for years. And the very last person on the list is And Anna Delvey. The hotel is using a con artist to promote this very exclusive resort. I was I was absolutely shocked, but not, right? Because that's exactly what we're talking about. Yes, and the lines between reality and, you know, fake news or or fraud is very thin. Anna Delvey, I mean, I read the Vanity Fair article years ago that came out and I didn't know why this was such a big deal. It seemed to me like it was like New York society had kind of gotten frauded and fooled. Yeah. But it turns out now the this Netflix series is really um aggrandizing this this con artist and kind of in a really sleek and fashionable way. So that is stunning to me that a five-star five-diamond resort would want you to know that a con artist stayed there and never paid. Right? Yeah, like no, that. her friend ended it and losing yeah. her job over it, right? I yeah. was, my husband and I actually took a picture. I'll post it in the show notes. Hilarious. We took a picture of it because I was literally like, how could they even want that association? Um, but it kind of goes to show how someone like Joe Exotic sitting behind bars for 21 years for trying to hire a hitman, essentially, is able to get this messaging out around his divorce. And that's actually what we wanted to talk about a bit today. You know, we've talked about how he's getting out there and how they'll know this case, but it's been in the news quite a bit because he has a lot to say. Um, and it's, it's, uh, not always flattering about your client and, um, you know, what it, I think it boils down to is doesn't he want to get married to someone else, someone he's met in prison? Um, I'm not even sure how that works, how you meet, but we hear about it all the time. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about how this has played out to draw your client into this public forum? Sure. Well, as we know, Joe Exotic is going to have a lot to say, and the truth of what he's saying isn't as important to him as the fact that he's saying it. And we see this in politics lately. We see this in the media. And so this is no different. This is actually playing out in the divorce. So Joe Exotic and my client, Dylan Passage, I should say our client, my husband and I have a law firm together, uh, and Chris was handling a lot of this as well. So our client, Dylan Passage, is married to Joe Exotic. But remember, two years into their marriage, Joe Exotic gets found guilty of you know, hiring a hitman and is now serving that time. So I would say a majority of the marriage is spent trying to deal with the fact that your you know, brand new spouse has been uh, locked up in jail for the indefinite future. So that's really put a strain on things. My client, if you watch the show, is a very young, very attractive, very sweet and mild-mannered gentleman who was enamored with Joe and doted upon by Joe, who was much older, much more wealthy, and much more experienced in the world. And so that combination was really stressful for the relationship, as we can imagine, when your husband's in jail forever almost, essentially. Right. 21 Um, years is a long time when you are, you know, in the early stages of a marriage or any relationship. Exactly. And my client's in his mid twenties. So that is going to take him into, to middle age. So the, the relationship got strained and, you know, the parties essentially broke up, but as we know, the divorce paperwork didn't exactly match the timing of the breakup 
but really, since Joe's in jail, there's not a lot going on. Yeah, not a lot um, of relationship. Right, so right. So, so it wasn't really a surprise, I think, to the community and to the parties that, that the relationship was over and both moved on. So really what we came onto the scene recently in the past few weeks uh, had to do with the fact that Joe Exotic from behind bars for whatever reason motivated him. Uh, maybe it had been a while since he'd been in the new cycle. Maybe he wanted to put something out there about his new relationship, which is his prerogative, really reached out and made some false claims stating that he didn't know what the holdup was in the divorce. In fact, Dylan had never legally pursued the divorce, all of which is objectively verifiably false. So my client who's mild mannered, very kind, really not wanting to be involved in the same type of publicity machine and blitz that Joe Exotic, you know, produces each time he speaks, really never wanted to comment on the case. Most of this had to do, I forgot to tell our, our listeners that there was a development that really put a halt to any divorce proceedings when Joe Exotic came out and did another, you know, PR spin about the fact that he had a major cancer diagnosis. Right. So recently Joe Exotic came out and said, my client never pursued the divorce. And we had to come out into the media to, to really clarify and correct the record that in fact we had. And so the statements that we released is that you know, listen, not only were we absolutely pursuing a very amicable and high road divorce, which we can get into in a minute, Susan, I know you, you and I like to talk about that. We were pursuing a very high road and amicable divorce settlement that was outside of the public eye. Perhaps a person who's used to being in the public eye did not really appreciate that privacy. We were pursuing that. And actually, um, what was funny about the statement made by Joe is that he claimed we weren't pursuing the divorce, but we've got the paperwork to prove that on September, in September of 2021, a full and comprehensive settlement offer was uh, produced to him and his attorneys and was just completely shot down uh, really kind of ceremoniously. Yeah. And so um, what was interesting here is that it was attempting to be spun as if we were just sitting around not doing anything or that Dylan was when in fact he had out of care and concern for Joe's cancer diagnosis, didn't just serve him with divorce paperwork in jail while he's dying of cancer, which we think really matches the high road approach. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. suffice to say that it was clear at that point that the cancer diagnosis wasn't stopping Joe exotic and that he did in fact want to pursue the divorce. So it's picked back up. I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to put the, and I think this is an interesting aspect of it. So often when a spin is put out there, um, it is just not based in fact. And what I find interesting or, or on top of everything is one, it's one thing for a person to put a narrative out there that is not true. It is another thing for a responsible reporter to, to parrot that into a story as has been done repeatedly. I've read this particular version of things in all, if you go Google this folks, all you're going to see is Dylan's dragged his feet. He won't participate in the divorce. Joe just wants to get this over with, you know, but reporters aren't even checking on it. And as you said, it's, a, it's a stent. I mean, it's objectively not true. 
Um, but again, it goes to, I think, and this is unfortunate, maybe it's the public appetite. Um, it's really, they want more the, the flaming headline and the sensational, um, you know, aura around it all rather than this is kind of normal stuff that goes on in divorces and, you know, why wouldn't we report it that way? I guess, cause it's not sensational enough. It could be, and that's on purpose. I mean, my client wants to pursue a divorce because they've both moved on. And that I think is actually different than some of these other really nasty, you know, knockdown drag out fights where someone's heartbroken and just won't ever, ever be able to get over the fact that the relationship's not there anymore, or maybe they've been broken up with or rejected or whatever. In this case, we've got like two consenting individuals who are already moving on with the quote loves of their lives right. and are just ready to kind of like do the, you know, business and financial contract that memorializes what they've kind of been emotionally doing for over a year. So what's interesting is that like, this is the intersection of an actual divorce, a financial untangling of two people's lives that weren't really together for very long. Um, and really the intersection and the tension between that really that simple point and the fact that there's a, there's a spin master on the other side who wants to create headlines and hats. Yeah. I mean, I've been in the news uh, over this case more than I have, you know, in the past th three weeks, more than I have in the past three years. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 the, and I like that for a couple of reasons. One, I do feel there has been some responsible reporting and I appreciate you putting me on your show so that we can get some of this truth out. The fact of the matter is, is that my client is actively pursuing and a full settlement offer was proposed. It just wasn't terms that Joe Exotic liked. And also we've you know, something that we could have hammered in the media, but chose not to, was that it looks like Joe's current attorney had not spoken to Joe's prior divorce attorney about that settlement offer. So we have two people. We've got Joe Exotic, who we can forgive as being a you know person who's just really kind of out there and maybe not thinking before he speaks or caring right. about the, the veracity of his claims. But then we have an officer of the court. We've got his lawyer who doesn't appear to have done the homework of checking with his first lawyer about what, if any, settlement offers have been, ever been proposed. Where are we at in this case is a usual right. question when you take over a, a case. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't really like to go out into the media and bash anyone and say, it looks like someone didn't do their homework. Um, and there might've been other reasons besides what I proposed, but the truth is that it doesn't look like there was much communication flowing from Joe's attorneys about what, you know, was being offered and what wasn't. So, you know, Joe Exotic did know the terms of settlement so much so that he rejected them and was offended by the fact that we were asking for some permanent injunctions, you know, rules protecting people's peace and 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 allowing them to be free from harassment and stalking. Right. Joe doesn't particularly appreciate that lack of control and access. And and I think that had a lot to do with his ultimate rejection of the of the offer. Um and what's interesting is that he does know it he does remember it and then what he said in the media was just a lie yeah well and 
I always say it in divorce cases when people are receiving, you know, letters from attorneys that have all these allegations in them. I'm like, well, paper doesn't refuse ink, right? You, you know, it's the same thing in the media. Um, people print things all the time. And as I said, there's not always responsible um, reporting or where someone will dive underneath. Um, and I would just like to point out that, you know, it's exceedingly normal in a divorce case. In fact, I would say when I was actively representing clients in divorces that one party would send a full proposal over to the other side. And rarely did we get a, sure, that all works for us. We're good, let's get it over. But most often, 99% of the time, what you would get back is what I'll call a counterproposal. One, right. seven, and 15 work for us. Here's what will work for us on all the others. Um, no and nothing is not a normal answer. Um, that's right. not moving anything forward. And you never sent anything is also not particularly helpful. So- Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you, you mentioned, I did wanna say the high road. Um, because I think you and your client um, have, you know, I know your client has, um, or I suspect that your client has an interest in not being in the public eye and not having his personal life dragged out in this fashion um, and is only stepping forward to the extent that is happening here in order to correct the record because it will affect him as it goes forward in his life. Right. Um but I, I believe very highly and I've always and strongly and have always advised clients in taking that high road because I think there's power in it. And, you know, I know you advise the same way. I can see that in your practice. And I just wanted to get your take on how you advise clients about taking the high road because sometimes you just want to swing low when somebody swings that way at you. Absolutely. And I mean, and you are not human if you don't have that feeling. So in fact, divorce strategy requires you to acknowledge your humanity and your emotions about a breakup. But it also asks you, I think the successful ones asks you to be almost, you know, uh, superhuman at times in your, in your decision-making points in your moments where it really matters in that mediation, you know, or at that hearing where you're on the stand. Um, asks you to rise above that and make the emotionally intelligent decision for your future self. We're not talking about what feels great right now. It all feels bad. We're talking about what would my future self, my three years from now, Holly Davis wish that I had done. And in order to do that, we have to tell clients, this isn't about submitting to someone who's telling a lie in the media. This is about you making the best decision for yourself because the power in doing that gives you a better financial result. It gives you a better strategic result. You perform better when you're clear headed and not clouded by your rage. You get more money. You have more uh, execution on your goals. Um, so it's not that we want anyone to suppress the truth of their emotion. It's that we need them to, at certain strategic times, rise above those emotions so that they can get a better result. And the byproduct, one could say, of getting a better result by being clear-headed in that conference room on that mediation day or in that court is that the byproduct of that is happiness. Yeah. You actually yeah. learn how to move through an awful, terrible time by being a better version of yourself for a future self. And then all of a sudden you find yourself 
you know, through the hallway, through the doorway of your divorce in such a way that hasn't made every single decision about what would hurt him or what would screw them over. So that I, I've got a bunch of thoughts on this and I call them like my tenants of divorce. I have another concept that I think of that's involved in the high road that, uh, you know, might be a little beyond the scope and time of this broadcast, but it's about all about not owning the rights to someone just because you're married to them. Like yeah. we don't own our spouses forever. Marriage is a constant, constant give and take. It's work, it's progress, it's growth, it's mutual growth. You know, just because you said I do when you were 24 doesn't mean that that's going to sustain you without any of your own, you know, um, growth or attention to the relationship for 50 years. So high road and recognizing that you don't own the rights to someone and someone else doesn't own the rights to you if they've stopped their work in the relationship all ties into this insane Tiger King divorce because, <laughs> because Yes, my client is a 20-year-old, handsome, sweet man who knew what he was getting into when he married the Tiger King. So we can't, you know, feel sorry for the fact that there's a spectacle around Dylan. But when what Dylan really understands in a way that is far beyond his years, in my opinion, is that he already understands that so much, he just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. He'd rather the spotlight be elsewhere. So he is actually involved in some of the snarkiest, you know, PR circus yes. with his husband. And, and that, that is what it is. That's a choice he made when he decided to get married to Joe Exotic. Okay. So we know that Yes, we're not banging the sympathy drum, but what's fascinating to me is that this 25 year old guy understands that the high road he's using, he has the ability to just sling that mud, call TMZ today and tell them everything he knows which yeah. is a lot yeah. <laughs> but he's not doing but he's not doing that he just wants joe to be healthy and move on and so does he and that is exactly that type of high road approach where you have the ability just like you referenced earlier susan to hurt somebody to do something in a short term that makes you feel better kind of because it hurts someone else but that doesn't help future dylan Future Dylan wants to be moved on, not affiliated anymore with, and also not in a constant battle. Right. You know, you get, you, you tie yourself to someone forever. If everything you do and every decision you make is based on hurting someone else or getting back or having revenge. And what we're learning is that that doesn't help you at all. That doesn't help your mental health. That doesn't help your physical health moving forward. And that certainly doesn't help your future relationships. Good luck in your future marriage if you're still obsessed with your ex. Exactly. That's going to fail again. And, and you deserve to win. And it won't help you get a new relationship if they're reading in the press, you bad-mouthing, trashing, or exposing. You know, we, we the, the nature of a marital relationship, I've always said this, is that we, we show both the best of ourselves and we also feel vulnerable enough, hopefully, in that marital relationship to reveal the worst of ourselves with trust. Mm -hmm. And right. when someone then takes that in the divorce process and uses it to harm the other person, I actually believe much as you just said, you harm yourself more. Um, you do. You, you just, uh, you, I have never seen anyone in the course, you know, 32 years of, as a divorce attorney, I have never seen anyone regret 
choosing to take the high road in the divorce. And I have repeatedly seen people regret getting down in the mud with their, their former spouse. It's so difficult. We can see why people do that. And what we're asking them to do to take that high road is actually very difficult. We're asking them to break the habits of their thoughts and the habits of their actions. And I don't know about you, but like, I, you know, we have a hard time even like changing our eating habits to lose weight and get healthy. We're talking about like decades worth of decision-making and emotional regulation or dysregulation that, that we don't even know we we're doing, we're blind to it oftentimes. So our jobs, Susan, as divorce lawyers is so hard because we're both legal experts, but we're also sort of like lifestyle gurus and in, in helping people. And this is something that I don't think a lot of people talk about, or maybe only a, a, a small percentage of people do really well, but we're really not only talking about like, oh, let's get your, you financially untangled and put rules in place about your kids you know, the really greatest results we get are when we teach people how to think about this crisis and move through it while honoring that you are hurt and honoring the pain, but really doing something that makes you happier and strategically gets you more. So it's just really hard to get people to break that habit of thought, but it's the hack. It's the secret to all of this. I love that. It's the hack. It's the secret. It's why this is the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I have hundreds of episodes all about, this is about your beyond, everyone. I mean, this is the time for you to um, buckle down in this moment, do what you need to do to get through it, but be moving toward that beyond. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. I love the phrase you use, the power of the higher road, because everyone mm -hmm. thinks it's a weakness that you, yes. you're letting someone get away with something. And in fact, I think you're 100% right. There's power in the high road. And you want to keep that power for yourself. That is your power. That is your inner strength. And the more you get down on the low road, you give your power away and it's connected to someone else. So I'm all about that empowerment, but I'm all about, and that's keeping that empowerment for you. That's your self love, your self-empowerment. And that's how you get to that next step. That's how you move yourself beyond and just shoot yourself out of that crisis and into your next adventure. Yeah. And, and it is an adventure. Your beyond is, is so much more than what was before. You, you, you just, you have to trust us. We both know we've done it with hundreds of clients. Um, and that actually brings up, I don't want to leave this episode without talking about the Zobrist divorce trial. Uh, we have that entire episode on it, the role of fraud. And that was another case that very much played out in headlines. Um, a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of swinging low, perhaps, although there was a lot to swing low at. Um, but, uh, I know some things have gone on in that we thought a decision might come from the judge. I think we said in the episode around January that did not happen, but do you have an update for people on where things stand today? You know, the only update I have is that I don't think that the, you know, we see this a lot that people were beating the drums of fraud and, you know, possible lawsuit against the lover for that fraud. And it turns out that, the, you know, that didn't really come to pass. So, so what you and I predicted in that previous episode, I think was true, is that the evidence has to really bear that out. 
you can't just claim that and not be able to show it. So I think what we can glean so far is that there must not have been a high level of a big paper trail for that to have occurred. And we might have talked about it really in the sort of like the freshness of that, you know, story in the news cycle. But the law really does beautiful things by making people be accountable for what they claim. And they have to match it with facts, objectively verifiable yeah, facts. Yeah, those, those weird things. The, the good ones. Yeah. The things that are that, that we aren't that aren't just what we want because we want it. Yes. Um, so I I think really you and I were right, I think, in our previous episode about what happened, although I would have loved to have had the court ruling on that. Yeah, well, I you know, I Googled it the other day just because I was like, hey, it's it's April. Has anything happened in this? Um, and I did see, and, and I did note the same thing that you did, no further lawsuits filed. I did see something, I think, and I'll, I'll put a link if I can find it again in the show notes, that the judge has ruled that when the decision does come down, it's going to be sealed. Um, and that he decided to do that for the children in this case, which maybe tells us a little bit about the, the decision. It does. It's probably best, one. And, and two, it, it allows for some probably extreme results on the judge's part because then it doesn't have to he or she doesn't have to maybe um, have that play out into the media so I suppose we could see some punishments uh, handed down to bad actors in that divorce if we're going to seal the record and probably have a bunch of injunctions against speaking about it with the kids which means probably there's a winner and a loser in this case Right. That's I, I love getting your extrapolation of those facts. That's kind of how I was looking at it. I think it's interesting and we'll probably never know um, what True. ultimately happens there. And, you know, in the end, good for that family. Good for those children. Um, I hope they get to move on and have their lives play out, not in the headlines, um, as everybody in that case moves forward into their beyonds, because um, I think that was another case where clearly people had, or some people had moved on and some had not. So Holly, this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, I, I love getting your take on this and I'll have to keep having you come back um, and tell us. And, and when this resolves, if it's something that you can talk about, let's give everybody an update then. Absolutely, Susan. If TMZ and people are calling me, I can't forget the worst and beyond because I really enjoy the content here and you guys go deep and you really ask the right questions. And we're really pulling out the so what. This isn't just about, you know, one Netflix star divorces another Netflix star. This is really about how it applies to, to your viewers. So I'm happy to come on. I love the show and I appreciated our time today. Oh, me too. Thanks so much, Holly. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.